Praise God. Well, today we're finishing up our series we've been doing. This is week seven of the letters of John. So we are in John, third John today. So we're going to get right into the word of God. I'm going to get through the entire book of third John this morning. So there's nothing else going on the rest of the day that's all that important. So just sit back and relax and we'll get through it. All one chapter, <laughs> a very short chapter of that. It's only like 14 verses. But anyway, here we go. Thank you, Lord, for the word. You receive it today. It'll be a blessing to you. So as John is writing to this particular church in the, in the region that he's, that he's writing, this church, it's a, It's a very interesting letter. It's a, it's a short letter, but it is power-packed with a lot of uh, applicable information for us today. It begins, in, in course, in verse 1. He says, I'm writing to, to, to Gaius, my dear friend, who I love in the truth. And verse 2 is a verse that's been very familiar uh, to very many people, and very, uh, we refer to it often here at, at Grace Church as well. When he prays this particular prayer, he says, Dear friend, I hope all is well with you, that you are healthy in body, that you are as healthy in body as you are strong in spirit. So there's comparison here. As healthy in your body as you are strong in your spirit. I hope all is well and you are as strong in body as healthy in body as you are strong in spirit. The New King James says, Prosper, may you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Even as your soul prospers. So hoping that all is well and may you prosper and be in health. It's really saying the same thing. Hoping that all is well. I would say all is well. You know, it's one thing for someone to greet you and say, how are you doing? Say, I'm doing well. Well, you may be doing well in one area of life, but there may be another area of your life that's not going so well. And you can, you know, and you're not telling a, a lie when you're saying, I, I'm, I'm well, I'm fine. But the extent of this and the depth of this is he's saying, I hope that all is well, or I hope that you prosper. I pray that you prosper and be in health, even as, even as your soul prospers. The New King James are here saying, I hope all is well with, with you and that you are as healthy in your body. So how healthy and what are we comparing that to? That you are as healthy in your body as you are strong in your spirit or that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So your soul, which is your mind, your will, your intellect, the very seedbed of your emotions, the soul part of man, spirit, soul, and body. We don't have, we're not going to take the time to, to, to get into a teaching on, on spirit, soul, and body, but there, there's a connection there. Matter of fact, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23, uh, closing out the letter there, this statement is made in a form of a prayer. It says, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless until the Lord Jesus Christ comes again. So may your whole spirit, 
spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless. So your soul, your mind, your will, your intellect, the seedbed of your emotions. Your mind is very valuable, not only to you, but it's valuable to God. That's why he considers it to be worth, worthy of being renewed. Jim Lanza, you, for many years, you, you renewed classic cars. You didn't renew a car. How many Chevy Vegas did you renew? Or Ford Pintos? Just one. <laughs> they weren't really worthy of being renewed, were they? But he renewed a lot of other classic cars. Something that's worthy to be renewed. Your mind, to God, from God's perspective, is worthy of being renewed. And you need to recognize that and realize that, that your mind, your soul, your will, your intellect, your emotion, it's, it's, worthy, it's worth the investment of time to renew your mind with the word of God, to be renewed, to be transformed with the word of God. So I encourage you to take a lot of time and consideration in doing so. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 from the Phillips translation, it says, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold, but let God remold your mind from within, from your spirit. Let God remold your minds from within so that you may prove in practice that the plan of God for you is good, meets all his demands, and moves you towards the goal of true maturity. And so I just encourage you to take some time on, on verse 2 here and allow the, allow the Lord to speak to you in this area. But please know that God's ultimate will for you and goal for you is complete wholeness, complete wholeness. And when, when, when it uses the word, many, some of the different translations use the word prosper, may you prosper and be in hell. That word prosper, it includes finances, but not only finances, it means to prosper and to be in hell, to have total wholeness for life to be good. It's one thing to have money and health and soundness of mind and the peace of God and the love of God ruling and reigning in your heart. That's, what, that's the ultimate goal. That's prosperity. It's not a financial number. It, it's, it's complete wholeness, having all that you have need of to accomplish the will of God for you that, that God has for you. And so continue on with God and, and, and Become strong in your spirit because there's, there's a definite connection between your spirit, your soul, and your body. And you want to stay strong spiritually. You want your mind, your soul realm to be renewed with the word of God. You want to be educated. You, you, you want to be completely whole in every area of, of life. And that is God's will for you. So recognize that and understand that and continue in the word of God. Just continue hearing the word, continue uh, practicing the word, be a, be a person of prayer, be a person of generosity, be a person that's walking in the love of God. You've heard that for the last uh, number of weeks now that we are to walk in love and we are to, uh, uh, to be walking in the truth and, and to be doers of the word of God. And so that's John's opening here for this particular letter. Then in verse 3, it says, Some of the traveling teachers recently returned and made me very happy by telling me about your faithfulness and that you are living according to the truth. 
Verse 4, I could have no greater joy than to hear that my children are following the truth. No greater joy. That's the tag for this particular message today or subtitle, whatever you want to call it, is no greater joy. And the Apostle John is saying here after writing to the church, he's saying, there's no greater joy than to hear. He heard a report. He heard good news and it brought great joy to his heart. And that good news that he heard was that he refers to them as children, but that the that they are following the truth. They are following the, the, the teachings of, of, the, of, of the gospel. They are following Jesus who identified as, he said, I am the, the way, the truth, and the life. And in the John hearing about this, it just brought great, great joy to his heart. And so you think about that. What news am I receiving that's bringing great joy to my heart? Or you might also want to ask yourself, what news am I constantly listening to that's not bringing great joy to my heart? It's bringing stress to my life, and it's irritating me, and it's like, it's, it's depressing me. Well, I have, I have a solution for that. It's called an off button. Just turn it off. Just don't be listening to it. You don't, there's, no one, there's no law that says you have to listen to the news all day long. You don't even have to listen to it for a minute. You just don't have to do it. So don't be listening to news and getting yourself uh, discouraged, but purposing to, uh, to submit yourself to good news, to good news. All right, let's continue on here with, with uh, this particular letter. We come into uh, verse 5. It says, Dear friends, you are being faithful to God when you care for the traveling teachers who pass through, even though they are strangers to you, they have told the church here of your loving friendship. Please continue providing for such teachers in a manner that pleases God, for they are traveling for the Lord, and they accept nothing from the people, nothing from the people who are not believers, so we ourselves should support them so that we can be their partners as they teach the truth, as they are teaching the truth. Now, these next several verses, when we, when we can continue on here in verse 9 through 14, I just want to give you the, the context here for the church that John is writing to here and this particular group of people that he's writing to here. And to keep in mind that, he's, that as he's writing, as, tra as tradition suggests, that this community of churches were located in Asia Minor near Ephesus. I believe that if I have it correct, it's modern day Turkey in that particular region. So as the churches were growing, in this first century church was growing they continue to reach out, and now they're growing over into this, into the Asia Minor area. They are now quite a distance from Judea and Galilee. So they're coming into a new culture, and they're beginning to reach Greeks. And we know that by the, the names that are given, and the, the three names that are mentioned in this particular letter, we have Gaius, we have Diotrephes, and we have Demetrius. Those are not any of the top ten names of uh, of new babies being born this past year. I don't think any of these names made that list, but they're available if you want to use it. Gaius, Diotrephes, and Demetrius. So this suggests to us that it's a, that the cultural context here is, is, is a Greek culture, culture far removed from the traditional 
church culture of Judea and Galilee of the Jewish people. And so the church is reaching out to these people. And I'm of the persuasion that some of the challenges that came up here that the Apostle John begins to address, because the letter pivots quite quickly, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. It pivots really quickly. But I'm of the persuasion that, that uh, Diotrephes' refusal, for, what, for whatever reason, to submit to the Apostle John's apostolic authority and not to receive the people that he was sending to them, that that had as much to do with culture and generational. Anyone say cultural and generational? So we have the elder John is writing this letter to a church in Asia Minor, the Ephesus area, Mostly, I think it's safe to assume, mostly Greek converts who are not familiar with first century church tradition, the Jewishness of the, of the first century church, and not familiar with that tradition. And also it's second generation leadership. Second generation leadership. Younger people coming up and starting to take over. And many times, older people don't like younger people's ideas, and younger people don't like older people's ideas. So you have generational issues going on, and you have cultural issues going on. And so it's, I find it interesting, because John starts this letter off, hey, I, you know, I, I, I hope that all is well with you, and that you're prospering, and you are enjoying good health, and I, I, I have no greater joy than to hear that you are walking in the truth. I mean, that just fills my heart, that just makes my heart full. There's nothing that brings me more joy than this. And then uh, all of a sudden, he pivots over to, uh, you know, from no greater joy to addressing conflict and insubordination in the church. Think about that just for a moment. John is very ecstatic. No greater joy. Everyone say no greater joy. No greater joy than to hear that my children, that's the converts, the people in the church, these are probably house churches. There's probably multiple house churches in this area, and, and they're being led by different people. Gaius was probably leading one, and, and of course, Diotrephes is leading one, and Diotrephes is, is resisting the Apostle John, the elder Apostle John. He's resisting his apostolic authority. No greater joy to addressing conflict. The reason I want to bring that out and to say that the reason I think that it's not doctrinal, it's not a doctrinal issue. I don't think Diotrephes was in opposition to the doctrine of the first century church. And the reason I say that is because in the first letter, in, in, in the first book of John, in, and also in 2 in John, he addresses the people that were rebelling against the truth. He refers to them as liars, antichrists, deceivers, false prophets. I mean, he confronted them head on. He has none of that towards diatrophies. So there's something else going on. I don't, believe it's, I don't believe it's theological. I believe it's more of a cultural issue and a generational issue. 
that needs to be addressed. And it continually needs to be addressed in our culture. And today, we need to continue to be open. We never, we never venture away from the truth. We continue to stay true to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We, we continue to stay true to the word of the Lord. But there are some cultural things that we don't have to hang on to and, 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 and pretend that it's the law of God. But, there, but we must always hang on to the truth. There are some things that we can continue to adapt. There's some things we can continue to, uh, to, to keep ourselves current and relevant within our society, within our culture, that make it much more appealing to reach people with the message of Jesus Christ. But conflict does have to be addressed. We can't just, we can't just leave, uh, allow insubordination to, to run its course. Certainly that's, that's not uh, good in any generation or in any culture. So, so John does that. He, he addresses that. And that's where he's going here when we start reading again here at verse 9. He said, I wrote to the church about this, but Diotrephes, uh, who loves to be the leader, he loves to have preeminence. He refuses to have anything to do with us. When I come, I will report some of the things he is doing and the evil accusations he is making against us. Not only does he refuse to welcome the traveling teachers, he also tells others not to help them. And when they do help, he puts them out of the church. Dear friends... Don't follow this bad example. Inf don't let this bad example influence you. Follow only what is good. Remember that those who do good prove that they are God's children, and those who do evil prove that they do not know God. And everyone speaks highly of Demetrius, as does the truth itself. We ourselves can say the same for him, and you know we speak the truth. We speak the truth. So, John, in addressing the house churches, has a desire to be there, but for whatever reason, he can't be there. But he has received word that brings him great joy that the children are following the truth, but he also has resistance. He has he has Diotrephes, who's leading one of the house churches, who's refusing his apostolic leadership. Over the last several weeks, you've heard much about the love of God, how God is love. We're to walk in love. And he who doesn't walk in love doesn't know God. And, and we prove that we know God when we walk in love. And, and so you, you, we hear about the love of God. Uh, have you ever read a book or about love or listen to a message about the love of God and just think, my goodness, the person that's presenting that, they just, I mean, they're, they're act, they just have their act together. You can just tell the marriage is solid because they're talking about love and marriage and they're talking about love and community and they're using all these wonderful examples of how to walk in love and forgiveness. And you get the feeling like, you know, that presenter is, really has, has it together. And uh, I must be a failure because I read the scriptures. I'm hearing what the scriptures are saying. And he who, does, he who hates his brother is a liar and he does not know the truth. And oh my goodness, I, I can't stand my brother right now or my brother-in-law or my sister-in-law. You know, I'm just, you know, my family that is driving me bonkers. So there must be something wrong with me. I must not even have the love of God in me. Am I the only one that's ever felt that way when I heard someone teaching on the love of God? I'm not the only one. I'm not alone here. All right. It's good to be among friends. It brings me no greater joy than to hear that I'm among my peers that are just like me. <laughs> I love God. 
And I know that God loves me. But I also know sometimes some of the thoughts I have towards people don't align themselves with what we've been hearing the last couple of weeks. And I think, oh my gosh, am I even saved? Where'd that thought come from? So I have a little mini altar call just for me and I get saved all over again. <laughs> here's what I want you, here's where I want you to be free in. John, no greater joy than to hear that you're walking in the truth quickly pivots to dealing with insubordination. Quickly pivots to over to conflict resolution. He has to deal with conflict. Conflict is no stranger to the church. Just because there's conflict doesn't mean the church is not the church. Just because there's conflict doesn't mean that the church doesn't love God and God doesn't love the church. Conflict, this may shock you, is not a stranger to marriage. Does that surprise anyone here? No, no surprises. Conflict is no stranger to marriage. Conflict is no stranger to our community. Here's another one that may surprise you. Conflict is no stranger in politics. Does that surprise you? So conflict does not mean an absence of love. It's not an absence of love. It's putting love to the test, but it's not an absence of love. So the, the, to where we want to get at is not feeling guilty when we see John as having no greater joy than the children are following the truth. I'm thinking, oh my, in an ideal world, well, what a wonderful church that must be. John is so blessed to be the leader of a church that they're all getting along. He has no greater joy than to hear the good reports. And I, it's, 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 it is very, very healthy and, and fulfilling to hear good reports. Within the, within the church, I love hearing good reports from family. I hear, hear, you know, any type of good report where things are going well, where it is well. Those types of reports, when things are going well, that, that's a wonderful thing. And, it, and it, it does our heart good. But know that conflict coming in on the heels of that doesn't mean that you don't have the love of God in your heart. Conflict is not a stranger. We as Christ followers are to remain faithful to the truth, faithful in living according to the truth. He talks about that in verse four, why he's so, he, he's so uh, ecstatic, why his heart is so full because they are, they are faithful in living according to the truth. So when John deals with the conflict here with Diotrephes resisting his uh, apostolic leadership, what he leaves us here in this particular letter. He is now leaving us, all of us, in whatever sphere it may be in, your, your personal life, it may be in marriage, it may be in a community, it may be the church, it may be extended family. He gives us a three-point strategy in conflict resolution, all based out of the foundation of the love of God. The love of God. Because the love of God is in you, because you are faithful and you are stewarding uh, your, uh, uh, your gift and your graces that God has given you, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing and the reality of all is well with you and that you are healthy in body even as you are strong in your spirit. You are working towards all those, uh, to, towards all those realities. 
Do not allow guilt and condemnation of conflict to make you think, well, I must be doing something wrong. There will be conflict. The, the key here is let's resolve it in a godly, loving way. Now, this is in no way a, a, uh, an in-depth counselor approach with many steps and so forth. It, it's a simple strategy that I'm, that I'm seeing here from, from the, the letter that John wrote here in 3 John. And the strategy goes like this. Number one, remain in contact with the person that you are in conflict with. The Apostle John was not about to give up on the house church filled with Greek converts in Asia Minor or in Ephesus. He wasn't about to give up on it. He writes letters and he sends representatives to keep communications open. Everyone say, stay in contact. The worst thing you can do when there's a conflict comes up in a marriage or in a family, in, a, in any type of loving relationships, is just cut off all contact. Well, that just settles it. I'm not talking to you anymore. And you think that heals it. That doesn't heal it. That just lets it fester and just allows it to come larger and larger. So you want to, number one, you want to remain in contact. John does not let diatrophies go and he doesn't let the church go. And I think that John knows, the elder John knows that, that diatrophies needs him. In a way, it would have been easier for John just to write him off and just to write that house church off and just to ignore it and go on with the other churches that are uh, uh, in submission and, and, you know, flowing together in the same vein. But he knows that the church needs his apostolic wisdom and he knows that Diotrephes needs it. So he's not willing to sever the relationship. So number one, remain in contact. Remain in contact. Number two, Number two in conflict resolution is keep a healthy perspective. Everyone say a healthy perspective. Remain objective. Remain objective. John is able to remain objective in dealing with diatrophies through his friend that he mentions in this letter, Gaius. Gaius is also a Greek. He knows Diotrephes. He lives closer to the region where Diotrephes is at, where his house church is. Gaius is probably a leader of another house church. He's also Greek, so he's familiar with the culture. He knows the other person. In, in, he knows him personally. So John is able to, to. So Gaius is able to give the Apostle John a healthy perspective on what's going on with the culture, what's going on with the next generation leadership. He's able to help him keep perspective. Always keep yourself open when there's conflict. Don't just assume that you know it all, that the way you see it is the way it is. The way you see it is the way it is to you, but the other person sees it another way, and then, then there's the way God sees it. The goal is just to, how does God see in this? How does he see this? What's the perspective? What is God's perspective on this? And, 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 and it helps you to keep a healthy perspective and, and to be open to other people giving you input to remain objective. And it, it, what, what will help you in that is to recognize that when we are rejected, see the Apostle John's authority, apostolic leadership was being rejected. Rejected slash wounded people need to gain healthy perspective. Let's not be fooling ourselves when we're wounded thinking that we have clear perspective, that we're seeing things clearly. 
If you're wounded, you're wounded. And you can get somebody to help you to see it clearly. So remain in contact. Keep, communi- keep lines of communication open. Keep a healthy perspective. Remain objective. Have a Gaius in your life that's familiar with the culture, knows the other person better than you know the other person. And get feedback from those individuals. And then number three, this is a really difficult one for us to do today, but number three is keep it private. In verse 13, I have much more to say to you, but I don't want to write it with pen and ink. I don't want to post it on Facebook. I'm not going to TikTok it. I'm not going to put it out there. I'm not going to put it on any social media. We're going to deal with this face to face. Everyone say face to face. When someone offends you, deal with it. The best way to deal with it and the most mature way to deal with it, if at all possible, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with all people and as much as it is possible and as much as it depends upon you, deal with it personally, face to face. Don't create a triangle. Don't be going through other people. You can get healthy perspective from a friend, from a prayer partner. Ask your friends to be praying for you. But when you're praying, when you're asked to pray in a situation like this, it's called intercessory prayer. And intercessory prayer doesn't begin with this attitude. Okay, this person needs to change their behavior. Intercessory prayer begins with, you go into intercessory prayer with this attitude. Lord, your will be done. And you pray for all the parties involved, for God's perspective and God's will to be done. You don't pray for one side to win over another side. I won't charge you for that. You can just take that one for free, all right? So verse 13, I have much more to say, but I don't want to write it with pen and ink, for I hope to see you soon. Then we will talk face to face. Keep it private and keep it off so... Not this platform. (laughs) Did you cut me off there? No. (laughs) All right, for the record, keep it private and don't be putting it on social media platforms. Love people enough to talk to people personally. Amen? Amen? Would you please stand? Father, I thank you for the wisdom of God. And Father, it is my prayer here as the Apostle John prays and his desire and his hope is that all is well. Father, it's my hope and my desire that all is well among the church family here. I thank you, Lord God, that they are uh, as healthy in their bodies as they, as, as they are strong in their spirits. May that become a reality for each one of us in Jesus' name. Father, I also rejoice greatly as the Apostle John rejoiced greatly, hearing that people are walking in the truth of your word. And Father, I thank you in Jesus' name when, when that truth is being challenged, when our faithfulness to you is being challenged, and when our love for you and for one another is being challenged with conflict, whatever the source may be. Father, may we be quick to, to have a direct communication, to keep communication lines open, and, 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 and to seek heaven's perspective, and to remain objective, and, and to uh, learn to deal with things 
in the strength and the grace of God face to face and believe you, Lord God, in believing you that you are the restorer, you are the healer of all relationships in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for loving us. We thank you for being with us. And our Lord, may you be with this people as they leave here. May the grace of God and the peace of God be upon each and every one. And may they continue to walk in health and be strong in every area and prosper in Jesus' name. All the people said, amen. amen. Well, praise God. Thank you so much. I hope that's been a, a, an encouragement to you as well as a challenge to you. We did have prayer for healing and salvation. So you're good to go. You're good. Praise God. Amen. Amen. God bless you.